Welcome everyone to the Cup of Coffee podcast with me, your host Tom Dillon. This has been recorded live at our weekly online meeting and broadcast around the world. Today's topic is how to be successful with buy to let in Liverpool with Vicky Piers. Um, before we start, I'd like to say by way of a disclaimer that today is a wonderful discussion, but that nothing said here constitutes financial advice. You should always take professional advice before investing your hard-earned cash. There may be the odd unplanned swear word along the way as well. The format for today is that Vicky will speak to us for a while, and then we'll be taking questions from the floor, so get those ready. Um, uh, Vicky Pears is property investor, developer and consultant, and also the CEO of Inside Liverpool. Vicky helps investors make more money in Liverpool by telling them what to buy and where. Good morning, Vicky. Good morning, Tom. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, thanks very much for, for saying yes, otherwise. <laughs> um, uh, what's been happening with you? Oh, it's been crazy. COVID meant that everybody wanted to buy a house, apparently. So everybody, every homeowner wants a bigger and better house. And all of the investors had time to kind of realise property is a good, good strategy. So we've been incredibly busy the last two years. Well, I'm, excited um, to, uh, I'm excited to hear both what you've got, what, what you've been doing and what you've got to share with us today, but also a little bit perhaps about, um, you know, what, when it comes to the questions or whatever, or whatever you got is, is like some of the differences in Liverpool, Liverpool, Manchester and, uh, you know, and, and what, what basically what's been happening in Liverpool, because I'm a bit yeah. ignorant about that because it's not an area I, I specialise in. I know there's lots of interest in it. So uh, excited Absolutely. to hear what you've got for us. Thank you. Um, so good morning, everybody. I'm sure we're all um, good or hopefully we're all good. Um, so my, a bit like you, Tom, my, my strategy exists only in Liverpool. So anything I'm going to say today, obviously take it with a pinch of salt if you're trying to apply it to other, other cities and things around the country. Um, so my personal preference is for single buy-to-lets. Um, I think single buy-to-lets is the, the kind of bread and butter of everybody's portfolio. Um, we don't do HMOs because um, I managed some back in 2014 and Realised that wasn't an area I wanted to spend much time in, basically. Um, so single by to left is my preference. And um, we've built a significant portfolio of two and three bedroom houses, but also quite inter interestingly, um, three whole blocks of flats, which um, I think is a strategy that is definitely worth considering, but not, not something to jump into immediately when you've got maybe a bit more experience. So our single blocks of flats are, um, it's one freehold title. And it'll have multiple units inside. They're self-contained, um, typically three, four, five units. I think the sweet spot is about four units. That works out quite well from um, when you consider all the extra outgoings for those. And when you've got single buy-to-lets, they're great from a cash flow point of view, because obviously with one house, you know, a, quite a small revenue really from a small two-bed terrace. Once you take into consideration mortgage costs, management costs, you know, maintenance issues and things like that. So the blocks of flats help to kind of boost that, um, boost that income. So I've been helping investors um, since 2016, really, because um, we had pretty unfortunate situation in the pool where we had an awful lot of um, developers who were not necessarily continuing with the builds. So there was a lot of stuff in the media around, you know, how fantastic a city Liverpool was to, to invest in. There was all these off-market plans. Um, there was going to be this beautiful waterfront that was completely um, changed. Most of LA around the Baltic Triangle, for example, was going to be completely changed. And lots of investors saw that as a good place to get into the market, into these, you know, off-plan investments. Um, but our developers like their cars and their lifestyles a little bit more than they like actually building the units sometimes. So we ended up with a massive number of units that just never, ever really came to fruition. Um, and there's still now something like 26, you know, undeveloped sites where um, investors have, have plonked a lot of cash and not been able to do much with it. 
So what we started to do was to talk to investors about moving away from the city centre and starting to look at the, um, the, the smaller kind of two and three bedroom terraces, typically Victorian properties, and um, looking at owning an asset that they've got a lot more control over. Whereas with the city centre apartments, you guys know service charges, ground rents, that kind of thing. It can really eat into the profits. So we were taking people away from the city centre, really, um, and moving out into the, the kind of the suburbs, a lot around North Liverpool, around the likes of Anfield, um, Walton, over up towards as far as Bootle and L20, and um, also suggesting to investors to look at areas like Wavertree and Toxteth, which has got a uh, younger demographic. Um, people kind of anchored onto Kensington and Liverpool because it was, if you look on Google Maps, it's only maybe 10 minutes from the city centre. Um, and if, if you're from outside of the city, it would be, um, it seems sensible to look there because easy to get access into the city centre. But Kensington was very much dominated with HMOs, um, particularly student HMOs and um, kind of blue collar workers. And from a single left point of view that like we've got some single lets in in l6 and l7 but um we bought at good prices i don't think you can get into that market now comfortably and um have families who are happy to live close to lots of hmos um without those kinds of issues that you have with hmos the noise the fly tip and that kind of thing so we've suggested that they kind of avoid the really typically hmo areas so l6 l7 l15 are, are pretty saturated with hmos so from a single buy to let point of view, we like Toxteth. It's quite close to both of those. Again, maybe 15 minutes into the city centre. It's one of my most favourite postcodes because it's got absolutely everything for every demographic of tenant. It's got, um, it, you know, it's very close to the likes of Egbeth, which is a much more expensive postcode. Um, it's got a little cafe. It's got a cafe culture now. It's got open green spaces and things. But the prices have definitely um, risen over the last couple of years. So during COVID, I kept saying it's like it's like looking for hen's teeth at the moment, trying to find a good deal in Toxter, which I think if you consider what we had back in 19, if you guys know the history of it, back in the 80s, we had the Toxter riots. Um, you know, there was a there was a massive kind of um, amount of social unrest in Liverpool, particularly around Toxter. And it was an area people avoided. It was pretty run down in parts. Um, and people were quite scared to walk down there if they didn't, you know, especially if an evening, they didn't feel safe. And now it's a really thriving community again. It's, it's come on in leaps and bounds. And that's what I'm trying to suggest to investors that we've got to. You've got to find a, a position for yourselves, a sweet spot, I guess, where um, you know, you don't want to buy something that's super safe or, or rather you don't want a whole portfolio of super safe properties. You're going to have to take a few risks if you're looking to speculate in the future. So um, we prefer that you build up a portfolio where you've got different houses in different parts of the city. So you're targeting slightly different demographics. Um, and what's actually happening is you're, um, you're kind of making a little chunk of cash over here and maybe super safe, you know, slow and steady over here. And it balances out to a much more um, diverse portfolio so um, at the moment I'm really interested I've just made a few notes of a few things that you guys might want to go and um, research a bit further just for your own knowledge from a development point of view down in um, the city centre there's just so much going on at the moment and whilst I wouldn't suggest you invest in the city centre I do think you need to consider those postcodes that sit just around the edge of, of these areas so at the moment, um, if you guys were watching the budget recently, you'll see that Rishi gave us um, the, kind of the go ahead for up to £2 million we spent on a new Beatles attraction. 
Now in Liverpool, everyone was like, we don't need another Beatles attraction. What the hell is the government throwing all this money at, you know, at a tourist attraction for? But if you're a property investor, you'll understand this, you know, where the money goes, the tourists come, where the jobs go. Um, and obviously on the back of that, the development features around there. So that's going to be on the waterfront. We've also got um, Bramley Moor Dock. So the Everton Stadium based in um, Everton is actually moving down to Bramley Moor Dock, which is in L3. Um, and Bramley Moor Dock is going to be, it, it's going to be so much more than just a stadium. It is going to be the whole tourist attraction. Um, and quite an iconic building is the plan it, it, the idea is that we're going to an international stage now with the football club so you're going to have a huge amount of investors looking at the area you're going to have a lot of people from um, Dubai for example we've already got a lot of investors who are looking to park cash and um, who are coming over from Kansas Singapore Hong Kong and over there and they're looking at that waterfront so the Bramley Moor Dock is quite interesting um, and then if you kind of follow that path all the way up to Bootle, um, we've also been given Freeport status as well. So up towards L20 and L21, Bootle and um, Seaforth Liverland, you're going to have this Freeport status. So if you track the path between the city centre to um, the north L20, L21, I think that that is a really interesting passage to be looking at. So just outside of there, you've got the likes of um, Kirkdale, which is L5. It's our poorest ward in the city. It's the poorest ward in the whole of the Northwest. What an accolade to have. Um, and it, it's pretty scary in part of Kirkdale. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. Um, and if it's your first investment, please don't jump into Kirkdale. But if you've got three or four investment properties, if you've got properties in areas where you know that, you know, you do get a few, um, you know, a few bits of antisocial behaviour and stuff, it could be a, a good point for you. We bought one just last year in Kirkdale. It was our first purchase and um, our kitchen got robbed during the refurbishment. So I came into the conversation when you guys were talking about boilers and things before. Um, so, like I say, please don't do it. You know, if, if you're inexperienced, Kirkdale is not the place to invest. But I think if you've got if you've got a team, if you've got some cash to throw it, you want to take a bit of a punt. I think that's a really interesting market in the next kind of five years or so once we've had this development. A slightly safer investment area along that path is Bootle L20. So you guys might have heard um, stuff in the media more recently. It's had a massive increase in terms of the, um, you know, the, the prices have just gone up hugely. And Bootle was, um, historically, Bootle was like this little part that sat outside the city centre. And it was, I don't know if you guys ever saw the League of Gentlemen, but this is what I refer to, like a local town for local people. Bootle was a little bit like that. People who lived in Bootle worked in Bootle, their family were from Bootle, they, they kind of kept themselves in Bootle, whereas now you're starting to see that there's actually a younger demographic up there. They're, they're the people who work in the city centre, they're the people who work um, maybe from home in more kinds of you know digital, digital businesses and things. And they're looking for bigger spaces, more, more, more house for their money. And Bootle allows that. So our three bedroom terraces in Bootle are by far um, you know, way bigger than some of the houses that you'll see in the likes of um, Kensington, for example. And um, COVID, like loads of our tenants well they never actually turned to this I did but they wanted a zoom room so we had tenants moving into um Bootle three bedroom houses and I was like you're just a couple why on earth would you want to pay you know a three bedroom rent but they wanted an extra room to work from so some of them had their own businesses some of them have been furloughed long-term furloughs but but needed some space but like this everybody needs a zoom room and um you can get that for the same kind of rent as you can get smaller houses, um, you know, more, more central to Liverpool. 
So Google has been a really interesting part of the market, I think. And um, one of the downsides to it, and this is the trade off again, you know, properties, like, let's be honest, you're not going to be a millionaire overnight doing this. Property is a long game and you've got to understand what you're prepared to do. So for us, Google has been really good um, to kind of get into the market at a really sensible price point at the moment. But we're not seeing the end refinance figures that we need. So um, my preferred strategy is buy refurb refinance. Um, and when we first started, we used to do some, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. We used to do a lot of um, kinds of flips to keep that pot going. And the buy refurb refinance model was pretty easy. We had it, you know, we had it nailed. But then in Bootle, we weren't getting those end figures that we were expecting. And regardless of all the comparables that we seem to see, regardless of the fact that the market was selling properties at, you know, 115 and 120, we were ending up with valuations of closer to 90. There seemed to be... Um, a bit of a discrepancy between what people, what a mortgage lender would lend out from a purchase point of view to what a mortgage lender would lend out when they were doing a refinance. So just as an example, we bought a, um, a four-bedroomed house. It was already a four-bedroomed house and all that we did was put an additional bathroom in. So it's now a four-bed, two-bath. Um, we bought it for 78. We spent about 28 grand doing the refurb. And then I was hoping for a 120 valuation. So four-bed, two-bath. I'm getting £900 rent and the valuer came in with a 90 grand refinance figure, which is less than we've paid out, regardless of, you know, all my invoices and all the proof and things. And we've got a three bedroom house that the same lender gave us a valuation of 96 grand on at the start of COVID in June 2020. So there seems to be this this kind of um, discrepancy. Now, for us, you know, we're, we're a lot further on in our property career. So to, to leave that money locked into the deal is not a huge um, stress for us. It's our cash. It's not bridge and finance. It's not angel finance. It's our cash. So the plan now is just put it on a mortgage for two years and then wait that period out and see if we can release more equity in the future. But it's not a strategy. It, it doesn't work in that buy, refer, you know, refurb, refinance strategy that we've been used to. So we're starting to see this in Bootle quite a lot and also Liveland. Um, and so what I've been suggesting to investors, if you're quite new to the area, is maybe you just buy it on a mortgage in the first place. You don't try and do this buy refurb refinance strategy because you, you're just not going to see those returns straight away. And especially if you've used bridge and finance or you've borrowed money from family or friends, your sole job is to make sure that money gets paid back. That, that's crucial to all of this. You have to pay back your debts. And it's not going to be possible if you're speculating on this end value. And the reason you're not getting the end values a lot of the time is because um, historically it's been a lot of social housing. So, so Bootle in the north of the city has been a lot more social housing and you just don't have the number of transactions, the number of sales that you will get in other parts of the market. And we know that it's coming because we've watched it during COVID. Everyone was buying houses in Bootle. The auctions were going crazy, um, but those figures aren't landing on land registry yet. They're not making it through to Rightmove Plus. They're not getting pulled through quickly enough to evidence, you know, something concrete for the lenders to kind of base their um, valuations on. <coughs> so it, it's a kind of, it's a case of what, what is it that you need to do? I think um, personally for me, if, if you're looking at some figures, I've got written here, um, if it seems too good to be true, it definitely is. So if you find something on Rightmove that, that seems like a really high yield, 
it, it's there's something going on there's something that you don't know either about the house itself or about the area probably the area um, and probably that that landlord has had previous tenants move out quite quickly maybe every six months every 12 months got real churn going on and you're not necessarily always building that into your figures so if you look from a spreadsheet point of view if a tenant moves out every six to 12 months the cost implication to you is huge on a single buy to let it makes a real dent in your profits so I'd suggest that you start looking at the 7% yields instead. You know, 6 to 7% is a really solid house. It's a good long-term rental in Liverpool. You'll get tenants for a long time and you'll get that capital growth. Anything higher than 7% and you've got to ask yourself the question, what's going on? Is it the area? Is it the house itself? Um, maybe, you know, if you're doing HMOs, that's obviously different. This is for single buy to lets. But I also think that that um, speculation, because we've seen this before, I I went and made, I've got a YouTube channel and I went and made a load of videos um, about L13 Old Swan, one of my favourite postcodes, one of the first places that we invested in, an area that I used to live in when I was a child. And, and then within a couple of years, all these estate agents, like they couldn't, you know, they couldn't handle the number of investors that were looking at L13 and um, on the back of the fact that I'd obviously been broadcasting to the world that this was a great place to invest. And I know the same thing's going to happen to Boodle because we've been we've been banging that drum for 18 months or so. And, my, and I've just seen, I think Dee's here from my mastermind, she's probably going to say the same. My... Um, my members are like, let us buy some houses before you go telling everyone about this part of the city, because, um, you know, the, there's a lot of savvy investors out there. They're, they're speculating. They're happy to leave a bit more money in the deal, especially the cash buyers. They're just looking for solid um, investments. I have Zoom calls with people who are happy at 5% yields. As long as it stacks for them, a 5% or above, they're happy. And you can't always compete with that. And if you wait too long, um, you're not going to be able to compete with that. So. Um, one of the things that we've been starting to say is like you've got to have a plan for all of this i don't want anyone to go into a liverpool investment without a strategy without a plan please don't just look on right move and think oh that house looks cheap like that looks like i've got 25 brands in the bank what can i buy that that's not a strategy the strategy has to be are you in this for the long term you know whereabouts do you want to place those houses what kind of tenants really important what kind of tenants are you looking for um some of our buy refurb refinance houses we've put the, we've set the rent really high the four bed in bootle 900 pound for a four bed in bootle is not normal but it's of a very high standard house and the, and the tenant was happy to pay it i wouldn't do 10 of those um, because you're just not going to get the you know the same kinds of tenants each time. Equally, we've got a number of houses that are um, rented to people in receipt of housing benefits on the old system, the housing benefit system, and now more recently the universal credit system. If you don't understand that system, then please don't go into that market because there's a lot of paperwork you need to do. It's a lot of arguments you'll have with the council. I've got a letter here telling me that I owe them a month's rent clawback. There's a lot of stuff you need to understand about that. So having a plan and having a strategy is is really important to, to what you're trying to achieve and i'd strongly suggest that one thing that you first need to do is build that network in liverpool because um it's how we operate i've just been speaking to some guys in the breakout room about you know that that network those people that you get to know in the early days will be crucial to making sure the business runs correctly because you need someone that you can phone up quickly who will come out, who will fix the thing. The agents need to understand the tenants. If you've got an agent who's like an online agent who's based down south, for example, they don't handle our houses well. They don't ha handle our tenants well. Um, and what people are actually looking for is something a bit more, um, 
you need to be a bit more involved, I suppose is the phrase. So either you build the network yourself or you um you kind of outsource that to a team of people that you can that you can use. So in the early days I went and made friends with a surveyor um and I got a really good surveyor on board with us and I paid him for the um surveys and then on the back of that he introduced me to tradespeople via you know the works that were needed on the houses. He also then introduced me to the managing agents that he had for his own houses and that network built in that way. And having a having a team of professional people to look after you is important because um, our tenants can be our, our tenants can be quite hard work at times, definitely. And that's um, you know that's I'm sure it's the same in lots of cities. You've got certain pockets of tenants who need a little bit more handholding and need a little bit more um, kind of management, a lot more management. I used to be an English teacher, so. I imagine my tenants a bit like kids. They need boundaries. <laughs> they need to be told um, how to look after the house and things like that. And you just won't get that if you've got a managing agent who's afar, who only checks on your property once a year, for example. You'll end up in a bit of a sticky situation. So, so they're the kind of top, top tips from me, really. The 7% yield is a bit of a sweet spot. Um, I had a, a guy DM'd me yesterday and said, where can I buy for 8% plus? And I was like, don't, just don't, because you'll lose a fortune. Um, the, the Beatles attraction, the Everton, Bramley Moor Stadium and the Freeport, that kind of um, passageway, please do look all around there. L3 is a good postcode that sits just off there. L4 Walton as well is another good postcode that sits just off there. Just look outside of that area because um, everybody's going to be, the, everyone's eyes are going to be on that part of the city for the next few years. And I do think we've got um, another kind of two or three years worth of growth quite, quite easily. Absolutely. Wonderful. Thank you very much indeed, uh, Vicky. Really, really appreciate that. Um, the, I really like this sort of specific postal level information. It's kind of information people always ask me for around Manchester. The problem is I can never remember the damn postcode. So, um, <laughs> sounds like you've got a much better, you know, brain for that. Sort of... I, I just talk in postcodes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, you end up sounding like an MI five baby. Do you know you? <laughs> L five. Do, you know, do you know what Tom? Like literally, one of my favorite things to do when someone puts a picture of a house, they're like, I "Just bought this house in Liverpool," and I'm like, "Is that L 15 Slipping into the DMs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so I know that 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 you've already sort of answered a lot of the questions that always pop up. Oh, whereabouts you know in, in Manchester, Street, Liverpool, Stein, I thought it's great you've already you've already ticked those off. Um, I was excited by the fact because uh, I didn't know that I was you know, getting information that Kirkdale is now the poorest well ward or area in the, in the northwest. Where yeah. again, I'm ignorant to, about Liverpool, but whereabouts is Kirkdale to, in, in regards to Liverpool? It's, it's, it's really close to the dock. So in some of the streets, if you stand in, you can see the waterfront um, and it's just kind of north of the um, city centre. So on, on Google Maps, it doesn't look like it should be a poor area because it's surrounded by so much good stuff. But it was, it's been kind of like light industrial for a while and it's been um, it's just been left to, to go to rack and ruin for a while. Interesting. Um you spoke about a few of the developments. I'm I'm a, a lifelong Everton fan. It's more or less my only link to the city. So, um, so I was interested. Fun if I was down there on the first day they started the work on on Bramley Moor Dock. So uh, yeah. all there was at the time was a couple of blokes in a wheelbarrow and a hard hat. So it, it was a slow start, but I understand they've sp sped things up now. So speaking about, well, that I don't know. You know, they they do like to stand around a lot in hard hats <laughs> for a long time. You're saying they haven't finished their runs. I hope they finish that one. Um, it's going to be annoying in a few years' time. So. Uh, 
speaking of developments, you know, more broadly, um, both the good and the bad. Well, starting, starting with the bad, that's the kind of guy I am. Uh, I noticed that um, some of the building work has sort of led to Liverpool famously in the news recently losing its UNESCO, is it World Heritage status? Oh, yeah, um, we're gutted about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, all the people I speak to from Liverpool don't seem that gutted. But everyone from no outside, <laughs> do, you, do you think anyone's concerned? Like, like you talk about Middle East and Far Eastern investors, do you think it leaves a bad taste for them if they read it in the news or oh, that doesn't matter much? I don't think it really matters that much. So if you look at our waterfronts like I mean from an architectural point of view it looks like a complete mess because you've got these new builds you know these new build apartments and then you've got um the likes of the lava building and stuff but um the the thing that I think UNESCO um brought to the city initially was that tourist industry we definitely had a pin on the map for that but I think it's safe to say we've got a pin on the map for so many other things no one I've never had a tourist say well I'm coming for new you know UNESCO status but I think what what our council and you know I've, I've got my reservations about about our council but um what our council are very good at is making it making economic decisions and they were very clear that there was too much red tape involved when we had the unesco status and so to get rid of it just has allowed so much more to happen in a, in a much quicker time frame so i think it's a benefit definitely yeah good it's always a balance isn't it with this stuff like that yeah um just a reminder to pop any, actually we've already started, but pop some pop some stuff in the chat, everybody, uh, questions, comments, whatever you want, uh, and we'll get to as much of that as we can um, uh, in a minute. So, um, again, sticking on the sort of broader themes of building and half-finished houses and half-finished flats. So in Manchester, we famously had far too many apartments building started and not really finished in yeah. 2007, eight, um, and then they were gradually mostly finished or abandoned. Um, and again, we've got a massive wave of building now. And people are saying, is it a re- basically a repeat of the of those times? And is it a bellwether? Is that the right word for when are we seeing so much building where it's almost a concern now? You're like, oh, I wonder if this is going to be the peak yeah. of the market. And we're going to see the same thing. Is that a similar pattern in Liverpool? And is that a concern? Um, it, it's a, the biggest concern is them not being completed. So what tends to happen is um, I don't think the figures have been done properly on most of these buildings. And then during COVID, we had all of the delays and then we had the increase in prices for materials and stuff. And so a lot of these developments haven't actually come to fruition. I think one of the biggest um, the biggest kind of um, positives that's come out of it is you've started to see who the real developers are and who are the developers who are having a go at things and if you look you know up in Manchester you know the Peel group the Peel group have moved to Liverpool to look at um, Liverpool Waters and I think they're you know they're a massive company that are going to do fantastic things for the city and then you've got you know these other smaller companies that have popped up and are just having a go I'm concerned by people who don't do their due diligence before they invest but I think you know they will get saved people will always go and buy them out and 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 a lot of it will get finished not all of them but a lot of them will get finished just in a lot longer time frame than expected yeah the thing which happened in 2007 8 6 7 8 in Manchester was that even the ones that were finished so not all of them were but the ones that were there were so many that that it really depressed prices they sort of yeah uh, started to really slide and then that worsened with the financial crisis um are there are there apartments especially being finished in in such numbers at the moment that you've seen any movement on price or not really no so we've got two city centre apartments um and neither of them are they just haven't gone up in price they they kind of do this they start to rise and then they drop and then they start to rise and we've just been trying to sell one of them now It, it was the apartment that we lived in it was mine and my husband's um first property and we kept it as a buy to let and um we paid 100 for it in 2005 We've just had a RICS valuation done and it's worth 105 
<laughs> After 16 years, it rents in a heartbeat and we get good rents and good tenants, but it doesn't go up in value. And now we're at a point where it's a case we might as well just keep it and pay the mortgage off because it's just it's not going anywhere. So if you're looking at it from a capital growth point of view, that's not what I'd get into the market for. But they rent incredibly well. They absolutely do. And a lot of them are managed as um, service, service departments now as well. So that's that's an emerging market that's definitely still worth getting involved in in the next couple of years. Interesting. Um, yeah, my, my, my friend, friend business partner, Chris, has got a city centre apartment, says exactly the same story in Manchester, you know, rents in a heartbeat, rents easily, so he just keeps it because, yeah. it, because yeah, it's absolutely. not worth selling. Yeah. Um, Speaking of uh, uh, speaking of buying and selling, you you kindly um, you, well, you ran us through a number on a four bed. I thought I'd just uh, if it's okay get to um, get you to run through uh, sort of a typical deal. So if you, if you wouldn't mind talking us through maybe a, a typical two or three bed deal, maybe Toxmith yeah. or Bootle or, or anywhere else. But what would you? Want yeah. So um, what we've seen with the two beds is that your um, the two beds have gone up in value the most from a percentage point of view. So um, if you're looking from a, a good return on investment, I think the two beds are definitely worth considering more than the three beds. The three beds, you're getting that capital growth over a much longer term, but you are getting tenants that stay longer. So that's the trade off. Our, typically, our tenants in the five in the three beds stay about four or five years. In the two beds, we might get about two years out of them. So the two beds, um, the kind of sweet spot, I guess, for the two beds is around about 90k purchase price. Um, and what you and, and at the moment, I mean the rents have gone crazy, but pretty solid market rent is about 525 to 550. You mm. can definitely ask for more at the moment, whether that's sustainable over the long term, I don't know. But that's pretty spot on your seven percent um yield. And the two bed terraces, um, they they rent really well to blue-collar workers. So you'll find that often it's just a couple. Um, who rent and obviously the spare rooms just you know for people staying over or things the three beds have become a lot harder to to find something that's worth investing in to be honest so the three beds have jumped up in in price points a lot higher but the rents haven't kept up as much so your typical three beds um in the likes of Bootle, i think if you're if you're paying anything up to about 120 maybe up to 130 if it's in a really good condition um it's worth having but you're still only able to rent those at about 650 to 675 and um, one of our mastermind members put one on at 700 and it was a little bit like tumbleweed on the advert <laughs> the difference for that 25 pounds makes it seems to be huge um but in Bootle you are getting a bit more open space as well so as i say the tenants do tend to stay a lot longer which is is kind of the trade-off but the 120, um, 120 price point is, is a sweet spot as long as it's in, um, you know, good conditioning. You don't need to do a huge amount of work or that to them. Um, people are buying stuff really cheap at times in the auctions and things like that. And the cost of the refurb, by the time you've done the refurb, you've paid out more than the house was actually worth and would be valued at. So um, to keep those figures in mind, 90 for the two beds and 120 for the three beds. So a typical, just to, to put up a poll numbers in one place in my head, you might buy a two bed for two, and picking out where would this be? Say, say Bootle, would this work? Which is kind of normal. Um, so, so I'd, <laughs> it's a bit of a weird one, Bootle. So I love it a bit, but I think if I was going to buy in Bootle, I'd buy three beds, just because okay. you don't want more transient tenants in that kind of neighbourhoods already, which it can be difficult at times. Um, but two beds, I'd probably look at um, this L4 Walton, which is okay. a bit nicer than L4 Anfield. L13, Ult, one I mentioned before as well. I love that postcodes, and the two beds are going really, really well. They're oh, great names. Is it Old Swan? Yeah. Is there an Old Swan there? Presumably it's died now. <laughs> there, used to, there used to be a pub. Does that count? Ah, <laughs> ah, that's the pub, right, right, right. 
Yeah, there was the Signa pub, which is um, which is pretty iconic if if you're of a certain generation in our city. Yeah, I think there's like a Tesco and a Costa there now. Uh, they've knocked like it down, built flats. <laughs> yeah, flats. you know what? Above the Costa, there's flats. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Um, so L4 Walton, I'm buying a house. Hopefully, I'm doing well. I am. I'm, I'm, I'm on. A, I'm on a roll. And I bought a two bed for ninety grand. How much? Yeah. That, my, my, how much work might they need to be done? Is that? Is that ready? To at be at ninety, yeah. I wouldn't want to be doing any work to it at, right, okay. at those prices. So, so you can pick them go. up in the auctions for about yeah seventy. Um, yeah. but ninety should be done up. So nice, isn't it? Nice and ready to go. And I'm renting that out for five two five five fifty a month. Is that is that right? I'd suggest, yeah. If it's nice, I'd put it on definitely um, at a little bit higher, five seventy five, and see what yeah. comes. But five twenty five, five fifty is market. So there you go. So there's the, the there's the numbers that people are always asking me for after 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 we have speakers on. So we we managed to deal with that. Um, uh, the um, talks about reputation of areas. So um, the, the the equivalent of say the toxic riots in um, in uh, in Liverpool is is the old reputation of, I forgot the name of the damn place now, which tells you how the, the reputation's fading slightly. Where's the place you used to think you used to get shot? Someone could put, put that in the... Uh... <laughs> in Liverpool or Manchester? No, no, Manchester, very much Manchester. No, I, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't dream it. Was it knifed or shot? I think it was shot. There was a lot of knife. Uh, it was near the city centre. I want to say, not Wally Range. That's always been nice. Um, Mossack. Moss side. Yeah, there Thank you go. You. There you go. Oh, well, we've got Page Moss, which is quite similar. <laughs> it took the, it's all good. It took the name. So, <laughs> yeah. um, Moss side used to get shot there. Now, not so much. In fact, it's really nice. And you're paying 800 for a two bed flat. So, yeah. um, it's really sort of turned the corner. But again, speaking of a certain generation, my dad, when I speak to him, he goes, Oh, Moss side. He's like, Dad, yeah. Jesus, you know, come on. You know, it's, it's great uh, for investors, whatever you might think of the place. So, um, uh, you sort of implied and sort of said that, that similar things are true for Liverpool, perhaps with Toxteth and other historically rough areas. Um, uh, it, with Manchester, the truth is there's still some slightly rough pockets, maybe Kirkdale's the, yeah. the equivalent there, and you still need to know a little bit what you're doing, and that's why it helps to work with someone who either knows the area or knows yourself, but that broadly things have improved and that there's fewer shootings, riots, <laughs> bad thing here going on. Would that be the same there? Yeah, I mean, the, as you say, there's definitely pockets, there's areas, there's a couple of roads, um, you know, dotted around the city where I think you've got to be very careful. Um, and particularly from an investor's point of view, you know, you've got to remember that your tenants might be um, single females, for example. I think people forget sometimes, you know, that that living in a house is quite different to investing in a house. They've got to remember that. But yeah, there's definitely little pockets of it. But on the whole, um, you know, our city is not as bad as anyone imagines. One thing I say, please do not look at the Liverpool Echo. Because that newspaper just trades on negativity. And please don't look at the crime stats on any website because it will put you off for life. And the crime stats are so, there's such anomalies, they're weird and wonderful things that happen. Um, and I'd say that, you know, there's part of Heighton, which, yeah, Page Moss over that kind of way, but it's still, you know, the odd shooting and things. But it's not about the area, it's about the individuals. Unfortunately, those individuals move and you can't say that area is bad because you know, always bad. It's the, it's the individuals that move around. So there's a little bit of gang territory. And, in Page Moss still. Yeah, sure. So uh, don't, but whatever you do, if you invest in Liverpool, don't look at the media or um, or, or any of the statistics. <laughs> yeah, just come and speak to people who actually do it. That's, that's the key to it, isn't it? Speak yeah, to people absolutely. who are doing it rather than speculating on it. Absolutely. I'm going to get to, I promise I'm going to get to uh, listeners' questions. We've got a few, got a few of those uh, in the chat. Keep them coming. But in, in the meantime, I've got one about public transport. Speaking of the, uh, uh, well, just public transport in general, but also the, the uh, I think about the new development of the north of the city. I, as far as I can tell, I haven't looked, looked at every document or every page to do with the, the Everton, call it that, the Bramley Moore, Moore Dock development. But I can't see any new trams, any new trains, which surprised me. But that aside, um, you might know different, but 
what about transport? This is Manchester famously has the tram, which in my opinion is awful. Um, and we should have a tube network. <laughs> We're one of the biggest cities in the world without a tube network. And I think it's an absolute disgrace. Uh, and nobody seems to talk about it apart from me, which means I'm probably wrong. Uh, but, <laughs> but ignoring the fact I'm probably wrong, because I usually am, uh, and thinking about Liverpool, how's, how's the public transport situation? Does it work? And, uh, and is it getting better or worse? Um, no, it's definitely got a lot better, miles better. We did dabble with the idea of a tram network at one point, but again, it all seemed like a bit like hard work. <laughs> never actually yes. came off yeah. um but our trains our trains are really good every 10 minutes or so into the city center and um, buses the same if you're on, on one of those arterial routes leading into the city center you know you're there within 15 20 minutes or so um so they've invested massively in mersey rail and um you know the public the train system particularly if you're looking at that north part of the city will probably be the thing that people use the most for the for the bromley moor stadium and they are they're, they're of a good standard they're well kept um they're well managed and yeah i, I think people look at our city and think that it's really really big and i, I suppose it, it looks like but it's not you can pretty much get anywhere in the city within about 25 minutes if the traffic's okay it's only when we have um flooding which we seem to have had for the last week or so on some roads um but yeah, the, the trains are good, the buses are good. And I think there's a there's a mis, um, misunderstanding of our city. People look at London and go, oh, you've got to be so many metres from a tube station, you know, to invest. But you don't in Liverpool. We, we never used to use the trains that much, but in the north of the city, they tend to. And there is some investment going into more um, more train stations as well, particularly up towards the likes of Kirby and things, which are very much on the outskirts of the city to kind of bring them all together. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, makes sense. Uh, I just realised that for people, some of the people, especially listening to the podcast, I know might not be aware of the geography. So we have lucky to have speakers on a uh, couple from all over the country. But for those who are sort of we don't know, Manchester and Liverpool are very much near neighbours. So it's probably about a 45 minute drive, depending on traffic between the two. So while we are very separate cities, they are very close together. And so they, they share a lot of things. Yeah. Um, uh, that's just for anyone uh, for whom that's interesting. So then for turning my attention to the chat uh, and questions here, um, uh, uh, Yogesh just popped in with a few questions. Do you do, you do mini, most for, mini HMOs for shares? I can answer that. The answer is no. Uh, like you said, she just does um, uh, single lets. And we've, we've got Article 4 now as well. So Article 4 um, came out as pretty much a blanket across most of the city in, in June of this wow. year. So that's changed that dynamic massively. Does that cover mini mows as well? I can't remember if it does in Manchester. Yeah, yeah. Any three people anything. or more. Yeah, more. pretty wow, much okay. anything. Yeah. So the map's available on or some Liverpool City website, Liverpool City Council's website, really hard to navigate, but it is available somewhere on their website. And you can see there's only a small portion that it, that it doesn't cover. And wow. also Liverpool, the north of Liverpool is covered by Sefton City Council. And Sefton have had Article 4 for years. They invented um, it. Um, yeah, pretty much. Uh, Yogesh also asked, any tips on finding a local manager? You talked about you talked about some, I think, you know, making sure they're local and things like that. But any other? Yeah, um, best thing to do is drop me an email with where your house is because um, I would never recommend a blanket agent. You need to tell me a little bit about the house and the area, and then I'll be able to connect you with the best agent for that for that yeah, house. Right. So Speaking just drop of- me an email. Uh, speaking of contact details, um, we'll, we'll obviously share them with the podcast. But uh, you don't mind me, you don't mind me sharing this email address uh, now? No, you? absolutely not. All right. Yeah. So it's hello at inside-liverpool.co.uk to get a hold of uh, Vicky and, of course, uh, the company. And the website is www.inside-liverpool.co.uk. Um, um, Yogesh asks any views on the Crosby area? 
yeah, it's a beautiful part of our city. I That was where I used to teach up in Crosby and Chesterfield High School. Um, Crosby is a really good um, family market. So it depends on what your strategy is. If you're looking for long-term tenants, absolutely. Um, we looked at some houses up there to do buy, refurb, refinance. That works incredibly well, but the price point is obviously a lot higher. So um, we were looking at a house that um, a sourcing agent had found and we were looking to pay about 160 and it still needed a full, it was like a hoarder's house. It still needed a full hit. Um, but end value is probably going to be about 240 on that three beds, three bed semi. Um, Crosby is a really nice part of the market to sort of, for young professionals as well. So um, there's a couple of roads, South Road um, and St. John's Road lead down to, to the waterfront, lead down to Crosby Beach, cafes, you know, um, ladies who lunch, all of that around there. And there's quite a lot of flats around there above the commercials that, that work quite well for kind of young professionals who are just starting out. Um, one of my friends is um, has got a commercial unit for sale up, up in Crosby, which looks like we've got people beating the door down over it um, because they're going to convert it into something like six apartments. It's got planning permission for six six apartments. Well, so yeah, like Crosby, it's a good it's a good little part. There's some uh, there's some deals aren't there that just uh, just scream to get done and um, and it, yeah. it, you know you know you, you know you've got a good one. People falling over themselves. That 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 does sound very very tasty. Yeah, um, the guy who owns it, he, he's retiring now, so I think he understands that it's a bit beyond him. But he got the planning permission. He's not soft. <laughs> got the yeah, planning permission yeah, and then yeah. and then sold it. He's only 23, so he's doing all right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, excellent stuff. Uh, I want to thank, uh, well, first of all, we've got some um, good number of new people along today to the meeting, so I really appreciate um, all of you coming along. Uh, I realise Dee's next question comes in from, which has inspired me to say that, uh, I think it's one of your uh, mentoring clients or whatever, or, or part, of you, part of your group. So I appreciate her, him or her, I'm not sure. Is that him or her? Hey. Yeah, I appreciate her being... Another scout, she's a fellow scouser. Oh, dear, good to have the scousers in. Um, <laughs> and, and ladies who lunch make me jealous. I'm trying to think if there's a male version, because I definitely want to be that. I've obviously <laughs> <laughs> Boise brunch is the closest I can get. Um, do you know what? There's a lot of that going on in Liverpool as well. But you need a man bun, Tom. Uh, I do. You've, I do. you've yeah. got to have a baby in a in a buggy, and you need a man bun, and then yeah. you can fit right in. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I do do enjoy some uh, some uh, midday food. Uh, but anyway, getting on to Dee's um, uh, contribution and question, um, I, I specifically want to thank her for, for enabling me to say the word gorge because it's not a word <laughs> I usually use, but um, he's forced me to say it, which is great. So uh, Dee asks, uh, "Hi Vic, uh, looking uh, cheddar." gorge for a saturday morning you just mentioned paying off the mortgage on the city center flat on your usual buy refurbish refinance um, do you usually pay off the remortgage or do you keep it on an interest only mortgage i've had different advice from different people no um, we usually have them on interest only but because that particular flat was our um first home we, we it was already on capital repayment so then when we flipped it to buy to let we just continued to do that because we knew that there was no capital growth so unfortunately we lost in the crash that was our our home we lost 25 percent of the value on um and so we tenanted it and we realized that we never had 25 grand to to kind of give it back to the bank so we had to do something so we put it on capital repayment um and unfortunately we, we make no money from that property still to this day um because between service charge that's gone a service charge of nearly 170 pounds um, and we don't have anything fancy for that at all um and it's on capital repayments, but the tenant has paid that down. So our mortgage debt on that property is about 40 grand now after buying it for 100 on a 95% mortgage. Um, so we've done well with that one. But 
we we tend to from a business point of view think about the strategy strategy of it all that's what we've done we've got a couple of properties on capital repayments that has been a business decision because we've seen in that area that we're not getting the growth that either we expected or we hoped for um and so you know like i mean i'm 40 next year and we do want to retire at some point and i don't want to be paying mortgages till i'm 85 <laughs> so there's a there's a kind of a slow and tra- slow and steady strategy to just pay down one or two of those to use them to maybe sell off and then pay off other properties in the future if we if we decided to interestingly a friend of mine got a mortgage when they were 69 35 years with um, the mortgage works they never batted an eye about the age thing so <laughs> She's uh, she's tied in till she's 104. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, good luck with that. So, oh my word! So the mortgage works. Work, of course, I'm not a mortgage broker, but things things change. But that was I thought it was an interesting story. Um, <laughs> speaking, so moving towards wrapping things up. Um, one thing I, I I wanted to check was you know we were talking about the crash in 2007 and eight. It's all been in the news recently this week um, or last few weeks about the budget and so talking about rising interest rates, rising inflation. It all smelled a bit of 2007 eight to me. It all smelled a bit crashy um, or certainly correctiony. Um, correctiony. Yeah. Is that is that your feeling like is that affecting your investment decisions or are you still full steam ahead what are you up to at the moment still, what are your plans? still full steam ahead i think like i think there's too much going on in the city from a development point of view i think london's you know the cheapest it's ever been everyone's panicking over these rate rises and let's remember that you know like in the 80s people were paying 13 14 and 15 percent so hopefully you've been stress testing your, your purchases at about five or six percent anyway your lenders have um, and so they know whether that works out or not. We've also seen, um, you know, we're at a point where lending's never been cheaper. And also from an, an employment point of view, we can't get the people to village out. Everywhere I go at the moment, the signs of outside costs are outside all the cafes and restaurants, you know, they're looking for staff. So it's not about the fact that people can't get jobs and then therefore can't pay and, and you know, all those things. And from an inflation point of view, it's a supply and demand driven inflation. So like there's been so many other things that have happened that have contributed to this inflation. It's, it's not the kind of typical, um, the typical things that we would expect. So I'm, I'm confident for the next two years, um, two to three years that, that we'll be okay. I don't doubt that in some parts of the market, people have overpaid slightly. So that's why I always say, you know, do your numbers, don't be ridiculous about it. Um, but if you've paid, you know, another five grand on a property, I wouldn't be stressing about that at the moment. I'd be stressing if I paid an extra 25 grand on the property um, just to get in. And like, I always, that's why we've still got that flat. I can't, I can't actually give it away. I can't sell it. But even if I could, I don't think I'd want to, because it's a good reminder for us that you can, everything's figure outable. It's actually a book. Um, that's worth reading. Everything's figure outable. And we put tenants in because we couldn't afford to lose out. Um, and we put tenants in and, and we learned how to be landlords and we learned how to manage tenants and we learned about all the PRS system. And we just figured it out. And to this day, you know, it's never made any any um, capital gains, but we've had good tenants for a long time. I went into the property the other week. It looks exactly as it did when we first started to let it. It's, it's got good quality tenants and um, it's good block management as well, which is important for those. And I think you can figure everything out. So we're not making any money on it, but the tenants have paid down, you know, 50 odd grand on that. 50% of our mortgage has been paid by tenants. <coughs> so as long as it's tenanted, you only, you know, you only capitalize, you only crystallize that loss when, when you come to sell or, you know, when you come to refinance, excuse me, you might have some issues. But if you're stress tested, that shouldn't be, that shouldn't be a huge concern. There we go. That feels like a, a, a an excellent place to wrap up looking to the future um, positively, which is, which is always nice. So um, 
uh, I'd like to thank uh, everyone for attending. Um, if you listen to the podcast, feel free to, uh, well, obviously keep listening, be great, but also um, uh, come along to a, a live meeting if that's of interest. Uh, we'll make, always post the link with the podcast as well. Uh, and that's nine to half ten every, every second Saturday um, at, at UK time. Um, a special thanks, of course, to uh, to Vicky Pierce um, for coming to speak to us today and hope you've enjoyed it. <laughs>